morning, Erasmus. Welcome to another episode of The Weekly Wrap. This is a podcast in which I will tell you about some of the top articles from the latest edition of Farmers Weekly. We will also take a look at the week's biggest agricultural news stories. New on shelf this week is our 15 October issue. Our main feature this week profiles a farmer from the Free State who, despite being unable to secure land ownership via government's land reform program, has built a successful mixed farming business on leased land. Readers can also learn about a six-step production management plan that can be followed to maximize soya bean yields. A wine grape farmer from the Western Cape explains how they've been able to keep their family farming business going by diversifying into growing other crops and by adding value to some of their produce. In our livestock section this week, we speak to breeders who are part of the Bosfeld Santa Gertrudis study group. Let's begin in the Western Cape, where the Latehan family from Worcester, who has traditionally grown wine grapes, has had to make plans to deal with the fact that they were increasingly coming under pressure due to low margins. Unable to expand the land on which they farm, the Latehans decided to explore alternative crops to add value to their farming business. They now plant a diverse range of crops, including olives, garlic, basil and chilies. Some of these crops are being used on value-adding activities to produce, for example, olive oil and basil pesto. The family has also ventured into tourism with the conversion of an old farm workshop into a cottage that is let out via Airbnb. In our main feature this week, we profile Richard Maschinini, who runs a successful farm on leased land between Lindley and Bethlehem in the Free State. He farms on 460 hectares of leased land, producing maize, dry beans and sunflower. He also farms with cattle and sheep. Mashanini says that although he would have preferred to own the land he farms on, he does not consider the fact that he is farming on leased land as an excuse not to make the best of the opportunity he has been given. He started farming in 2012 with 12 head of cattle, which he has since managed to expand to a herd of 100 Simra-type cattle. His SA Mutton Merino sheep flock consists of 400 ewes and 7 rams, and in addition to this he runs a sheep feedlot, which can accommodate 200 sheep. Despite his success, Mashanini says the fact that he farms on leased land creates immense uncertainty for him about his future. In our crop section, we speak to several experts about the management practices that are crucial to ensure a good soya bean yield. Fred Bello, a professor of plant physiology at the Department of Crop Sciences at the University of Illinois in the US, has done significant work on soya bean production. In his recommendations, he focuses on what he calls the six secrets in soybean production that are critical for achieving optimal yield goals. These secrets help growers understand the value of their management practices and demonstrate how farmers can combine technologies 
to increase soybean yields through intensive crop management. According to Bello, adding one more pod to each soybean plant will increase total yield significantly. These six aspects are not really secrets, he says, but represent those management factors that can impact soybean yield each year. There are, however, crucial prerequisites in soybean production that are needed before a farmer can take advantage of these six secrets. These prerequisites include proper drainage, a strong weed management program, and appropriate soil pH levels. Once the prerequisites are satisfied, good fertigation combined with foliar protection leads to yield increases regardless of the soybean variety planted. You can read more about the six secrets of successful soybean production in our 15 October issue. Let's now quickly look at some of the top agricultural news from the last week. Niche industries such as microgreens and herbs suffered major losses as a result of the lockdowns that were introduced in March last year at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And farmers in these industries are still struggling to recover, with many either closing down or shifting their businesses into new markets. Yaku Maynard, the owner of Tasty Microgreens, said that as the company's produce was aimed at caterers and restaurants, the first lockdown had put an immediate stop to production. He said that they closed everything and haven't started up again. The demand is slowly picking up now, but it's not at a point where it would be feasible for them to start production again. Maynard said that much of their microgreens were used as garnishing on plates in restaurants or for food package for large corporates. And since people are still working from home and restaurants are not at full capacity, demand for their product has not returned to normal. On to news about Foscor. Although Foscor, the state-owned producer of phosphates, phosphoric acids and fertilizers such as monoammonium phosphate, or MAP, has reached an all-time high in terms of ore production, it is still unable to meet the demands of the local agriculture sector. This was according to a recent media report. Fosco mines phosphoric rock at its mines in Palaborva and ships the ore via rail to its production facilities in Riches Bay. According to the report, Fosco CEO Rian Rademan said production challenges at Richards Bay coupled with irregular rail services, were at the core of the output challenges. He said that mining the ore was not the problem, but production interruptions at Richards Bay needed attention. Rademan reportedly said he was implementing a turnaround plan initiated with his appointment as CEO in 2020, but the COVID-19 pandemic had delayed it by at least 12 months. Kurnay Lowe, the senior economist at Grain SA, said that notwithstanding Foscore's explanations for its inability to supply the local market, it was a major lost opportunity for South Africa. Lowe said that despite having all reserves and manufacturing capability to supply the entire Southern African region with MAP fertilizer, South Africa was instead importing a product it should be exporting. 
In 2020, for example, South Africa imported 230,000 tons of MAP at a cost of 1,3 billion rand. Our last story for today, ginger prices have stabilized following the 2020 boom. This was according to Yaku Libba, the co-owner of Sabi Valley Ginger, who said the current price hovered between 30 and 40 rand per kilogram, which was in line with normal price trends, but far below the spike of 200 rand per kilogram achieved early last year. The current prices are more in line with the true reflection of ginger prices for this time of year, he said. Dr. Yapi Libba, the CEO of Sabi Valley Ginger, said the average price that farmers had received for the commodity last season was 58 rand per kilogram, compared with the current average price of 30 rand per kilogram. Yakulibe explained that one of the reasons for the current lower price on the fresh produce market was that consumers had seen their buying power being reduced due to financial constraints brought on by the COVID-19-related lockdown restrictions. That was it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weekly Wrap. Join us again next week when one of my colleagues will discuss some of the features from the 22 October issue in which you can read about a new robot designed by South Africans that are assisting blueberry farmers by making picking more efficient. We also take a look at the shortage of veterinarians in South Africa's rural areas. And we speak to an award-winning emerging sheep farmer from the Karoo. Remember to follow us on social media for all the latest farming news and updates. We are on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly SA. Until next week, stay safe and happy farming.